KMTT This is Ezra Beck, broadcasting from Gush Etzion in Eretz Yisrael. Today is Wednesday, Yud Chet B'Tevet. And today's share will be given by Harav Benjamin Taboeri in his weekly series on the weekly mitzvah. I got an interesting letter this week addressed to KMTT from someone who said the following. He said, Yeshekarach on the shiurim. He has started walking in order to listen to the shiurim. We really hope that these shiurim contribute to your spiritual health, but as it turns out, we're also contributing to one's physical health. If people will start walking and exercising simply in order to have time to listen to the shiurim, as the net magia lanu yeshekarach. We even are doing better than we thought. We got a letter last week from someone who said that we've made commuting bearable and even enjoyable. I wonder what happens if on some sort of a non-Jewish holiday and there are no traffic jams, whether people will be disappointed because there won't be enough time to listen to the shir. People get up in the morning and they're looking forward to a good traffic jam so they can hear a good shir. Then we've really had a revolution and a transformation in the relationship between Torah and our daily lives. And now the shiur of Arav Tavori. Moshe's first visit outside the palace in which he lived, the Torah tells us that he saw two people fighting. Two Jews are fighting. Moshe turns to one and says, Why do you hit? Are you going to hit your friend? The Isur to hit a friend, to hit anyone, is mentioned in the Gemara, in Sanhedrin Nun Bet, relating to this Pasuk. The Torah already has admonished us not to hit anyone. The Torah, in connection with a Russia, when the Torah says there is a real Russia, a person who really is Chayav Malkot, anybody who is Chayav Malkot is automatically considered a Russia. The Torah says in connection with hitting the Rasha that you have to be careful to give him the prescribed number of lashes, of makot. It, because if you add to it, then you are apt to add to the amount of lashes he should get. And that would be disgraceful. Your friend would be disgraced. This Easter, of course, relates to hitting someone actually. Our Pasuk what was interpreted by Chazal to mean even more than that. Lama takereyecha, the Lashon take, the word take in the future tense, implies that he hadn't actually hit him yet. But he threatened to hit him. He seemed to hit him. The Gemara learns from here, it's quoted by Rashi on the spot, Kol the Gemara actually uses the word The Gemara is in Sanhedrin, and the Gemara says, A person who lifts up his hand, even though he did not hit his friend, 
It's called a Russia. Lama takereyecha. Lama lo ikita lo nemak. It does not say in the Torah why did you why did you hit him. Ela lama take. Why are you going to hit him? Afa pishelo ikal nikra Russia. Even though you didn't hit him, you're called a Russia. The ether of hitting someone, of actually hitting someone, that I mentioned is derived from the pasuk lo yosif, is quoted by the Rambam. In Hilchot Chovelu Mazik, Perakei Halacha Aleph, the Rambam says, "Asul Adam Lachbol Ben Baatzno Ben Bachavero to create a wound. Chavala is forbidden whether you create the wound in your own body or in someone else's. The Lo Achomel Bulvad, not just a person who does this act of chavala, of damage, of maiming someone. Elokola Make Adam Kasher Yisrael." But if you hit someone, but the Raman here says, we'll get back to it later, Hamake Adam Kasher Yisrael. Some sort of a unique personality in Adam Kasher Yisrael. Ben Katan Ben Gadol, whether he's young or old, perhaps even children below the age of Bar Mitzvah. Ben Ish Ben Isha, whether man or woman. Now the Raman says one more phrase that's noteworthy. Derech Nitzayon. If someone wounds somebody or hits somebody, derech nitzayon, nitzayon seems to be a word meaning fighting. As we learned in our parsha, two Jewish fellows are nitzim, are fighting. The Ramam seems to say the Easter to hit, and perhaps even the Easter of Chavalah, it only it applies when it's derech nitzayon, in a spirit of fighting. Interestingly enough, there is another text quoted by Achronim in reading the Sraman. It was traditional that the text says, Hareze ben katan ben gadol ben ish ben isha derech bizayon. Another text says if they do it in a way of disgrace, in a way of shame. Although in the Rambam of Shabtai Franco there is no hint of such a text, but I remember hearing from Rav Salavechik many times that the word could be read, might have been some sort of a text that he had of Derch Bisayon. And in fact, the Torah Shlema, Rav Kasher, quotes such a text. He doesn't say where he got it from, he just says, Yeshko sin Derch Bisayon. The text that would say Derech Bizayon in a manner of disgrace would be quite apt if we look at the source for this admonition in the Torah. I mentioned before that the Torah says in connection with a person getting Malkot, a person who is a Rasha, a person who is Chayav Malkot, he must receive lashes. The Torah says, however, you have to give him the exact amount. Ten Yosif lest you give him more than necessary, and your friend will be disgraced. Apparently, the Easter is connected to that he is disgraced. Therefore, the reading that uh, I said doesn't appear in the Frankel edition, but there is a, a good reason to assume that there was such a text. In a manner of shame or manner of disgrace, do you get Malkot? Then, of course, the question would be raised, 
what would happen if you hit someone not the derech nitzayon or derech bizayon? What exactly does hitting mean? Rav Moshe Feinstein was asked, if a person gives another person reshut, I give you permission to hit me. Is it, in that case, would it be utter for you to hit me? I gave you reshut. In general, if we would discuss if a person could give another person reshut to damage him, to do chavala, that would be a different issue completely. A person might not have any ba'alut, any ownership or mastery over his own body. Am I allowed to cut myself? The Rambam said, Asul adam a person cannot do damage, chavala. A person cannot do to himself either. So to give a person permission to do chavala obviously wouldn't be acceptable because I can't give myself permission to do chavala to myself. I could certainly not give permission to someone else. In regards to payment, the issue might be different. If I do chavala, not only is it is it usher, but I have to pay. There, if a person gave me permission, it very likely could be that I don't have to pay. Mechila for dinei mamonot. The person can waive the money that is coming to him. That might be applicable, but he still would be usher. It still would be usher to do such a thing to hit him. Would be usher. Perhaps there would be no payment. Interestingly enough. If a person hits somebody, creates a chavala, he has to pay him. Because he has to pay him, he doesn't get malkot. A lav shenitan l'tashlumim. A lav, an iser, which is going to be repaid, paid somehow, in such a case, you do not get malkot. If a person would do chavala less than a shabbat if I really would cause a wound in someone, but the wound does not incur any financial damage that is, could be repaid. In such a case, the Ramam rules, Perik Hey Alacha Gimel Avilchot Chobel Mazik, Hamaket Chabiro Akashe Ein Basheva Puta If a person hits someone, but there is no financial damage, you, do, you get Malkot in such a case. It's ironic that a person who does a major damage can pay money and be exempt from lashes. However, the person that does uh, minor damage and doesn't really incur financial loss, that person would get malkot. If I gave somebody permission to do chavala, so then he wouldn't have to pay me because of mechila. But the haka'a is haka'a of mamon. It is haka'a that involves financial loss. The fact that a mochel doesn't change the nature of the ether. And therefore you still wouldn't get Malkot. It's as if he paid me the money which he is obligated to me. He really is obligated to money. There's a kashiyesh b'sheva puta. But he didn't pay it because I was mochelit. That's considered as if I paid it, as if he did pay it. Therefore, there would be no Malkot in such a case. But that's in the case of Chavala. What would be a case where a person just said, hit me without creating a Chavala? Would he be able to give him permission? Here, the definition of the Iser would come into play. If the Iser is derech nitzayon u either or, derech nitzayon 
is in a manner of fighting, or derech bizayon, or in a manner of disgrace, then it seems to me that it should not apply, because this is not a disgrace. They're not fighting. A person gave me permission to hit him. Very often, people come over and slap each other in the back, hit each other in a friendly way. This would not seem to be involved in the Easter at all if we would assume that the Easter is derech nitzayon or derech bizayon. And Moshe Feinstein was asked this question in Shelot Shivot Igrot Moshe Orachayim Chelikimel Siman Einchet. And Rabbi Moshe, interestingly enough, quotes the text of the Rambam as if it seems that he had the text of reading both of them. He doesn't quote it actually as the text of the Rambam, but he just says, Natan lo reshut If a person gave a person permission to do chavala, so then he says, there's a tour of tashlumim, as I said before, you don't have to pay. But he said, what happens if it's a chavalash she'ein b'shevaputa? I asked you to hit me, but you created a wound, unintentionally, but you created a wound that is not financially, does not create a financial loss to me. Then in such a case, according to the Gemara, you, according to the Rambam, you somehow should get Malkos. You did chavala, but you did chavala without a shavatruta. So the Masha says, Boshet Mistaber Sha'al Chabalak Tana Kazo, Shugam Belotzar, Belot Boshet, Einze Derech Nitzayon Ubizayon. The Masha quoted the two words together. But he says, logically, it seems that for such a, a minute type of Chabalah, which doesn't really have pain, it doesn't really have any shame, it's less than a Shabbat Puta, it's, uh, maybe you created a drop of blood, the Moshe connected both words, Nitzayon Ubizayon. This is not considered an Easter of Nitzayon Ubizayon. By the way, apparently Rabbi Moshe thought the Easter Chabalah, not just the Easter of Haka'ah, but the Easter of Chabalah also depends upon Derech Nitzayon or and ubi zayon. Then the Ramosha continues, Kishinoten lo reshut, ain makpid al ze, sheino over balota say de lo yosif. Duhu der schogbaum, if I gave somebody permission and he's very friendly, just gives me a pat on the back or he gives me a little slap, then Moshe says, you're not even over the Easter at all. Because it's only done as a matter of friendship, der schog, as a joke. And the Easter, the Ramosha says, is El Eino over El Akashuderech Nitzayon Ubizayon. You're only over the Easter when it's both, Ramosha seems to say, both in the manner of fighting and disgrace. Kid the Easter the Ramam Shem, as it appears in the Ramam. In my Ramam, it doesn't appear. In my Ramam, appears only Derech Nitzayon. Ramosha apparently thought Derech Nitzayon Ubizayon is automatically there. And therefore, of course, there could be no Malkot. The Rambam said, in connection with hitting someone, Hamakeh Adam Kasher. If you hit someone who is a Adam Kasher, only some sort of a respectable type of person, this would seem rather difficult. Because in our halacha, the one that we started with today's parasha, Vayomer Larasha, Lamata Kereyacha. Moshe said to one of them, why are you going to hit? Now, it's true we're not talking about the Easter of Chavala and Hakar per se. We're only talking about the concept of Hamerim Yad 
but it doesn't seem that maybe would be more chamor, would be more severe than the law of hitting someone actually. In our case, the two people whom Chazal have identified as Datan Vaviram, Rashi explains, as we will understand from later on Chumash, that they were actually the Shayim. Rashi points out on the Pasuk, Lama Takel Re'echa, why do you hit Re'echa? Rashi says, what's Re'echa? That you're, you're partners, you're both friends, you're both connected. Rashi says, because you're both Rishayim. So the Isur of Haramat Yad, the Isur of raising your hand against someone, certainly applies even if you raise your hand to a Rasha. Why would the Isur of hitting someone not apply to a Rasha? In fact, the Rambam himself, almost every other place where he discusses this Isur, does not put in the phrase Adam Kashir. For example, in Sefer HaMitzvot, Mitzvah Lotasei Shloshmeot, the 300th mitzvah, the negative mitzvah, the Rambam says, the, this is the Isur of hitting a chote, the original source. A person cannot hit, even if you're, a person is high of Malkot, you have to be careful to give him the precise number of Malkot, and Penyo Sitla Koto, you shouldn't give him more than that. The Rambam goes on to say, Umizot Hazara, it's the same Isur, He Hazara Mehakot Kol Ish Misrael. The same Easter applies to anyone. So it doesn't seem that the Easter only applies to Adam Kasher. Why the Rambam really used the words Adam Kasher in Hilchot Chavel Mazik is an interesting question. But from the, all the parallel sources, it doesn't seem to be the Easter only applies to Adam Kasher. Kolish And the Rambam goes on, Ima Muzarim if we're required, we're obligated, we're adjured not to hit even the chotei, even the one who's a sinner, shar kol adam lo Obviously, anyone else is also included in the Easter, not just the person who's chayam but everyone. And the Ramam adds there in Sefer Mitzvot, our case, Raising your hand to hit someone is also a rasha. What does it mean that he's called a rasha? In general, in halacha, what does it mean when I call a person a rasha? Now, in the, to call a person a rasha is author. The Gemarian Kedushin says that calling people certain names actually requires certain atonement and certain punishment. The Gemarian says if you call somebody a Rasha, you call somebody an Abed, you call somebody a Mamzer, all those the Gemarian says are wrong, obviously it's not proper, and there's a certain punishment attached to each one. When the Gemarian says a person's called a Rasha, so it could very well mean simply one thing. I'm allowed to call him a rasha. The Easter of calling a person by some sort of pejorative term is not, does not apply in the case, in this case. A person's allowed to, you're allowed to call him a rasha. You go over him and say, <laughs> you're a rasha, rasha, what are you doing? So, is there any other practical nafkamina, any other practical difference between a person who is 
called a rasha? Are you allowed to call him a rasha? Does this have any halachic significance that a person is a rasha? Well, the first question we would have to ask is a person pasuleidut. In general, we have a principle that a person who is who does an avera, which has makot in it, is pasuleidut. The Torah said you're not allowed to have an aid, a rasha. A rasha is not allowed to be an aid. What is a rasha in halacha? So the Gemara learns that anybody who does an avera, which has malkot in it, any avera that a person would do, that creates the, an obligation, a chiyuf, of giving him malkot, automatically he's called a rasha. This seems to be based, it's based on the pasuk. in bin hakot harasha. The pasuk in connection with malkot says that if a person in bin hakot harasha, while you're hitting the rasha. The Gemara automatically calls him a rasha. Any person who does any Avera which is Chayav Malkot, in Bin Hakot HaRasha, that's the way we paskin that he is called a rasha. Anyone is Chayav Malkot, and he's Pasul Eidut. A person did an Avera, for example, Olav She'en Bomaaseh. If a person did an Avera which does not have any action in it, for example, if a person keeps Chametz on Pesach, he didn't sell his Chametz before Pesach, so it's an act of omission. He did not destroy his chametz before Pesach. He bought his chametz on Purim. He got shalach manis on Purim. He got a lot of shalach manis. And he didn't have, uh, he didn't think about getting rid of his chametz before Pesach. So that is a lot shame When he got the, the chametz, there was no problem. He just left it over. He didn't do anything. He kept it in his possession. So that's a lot shame He does not get malkot. According to this, he would not be pasulated. Because he did, I didn't have a rush, What about our person? That he's called a Russia. Would he be Pasolaid? We found an amazing opinion of the Ravon, quoted by the Hagaut Maimoniot, and quoted by many other people in this connection. The Hagaut Maimoniot Parakei of Hilchos Chobel says, Okay, that's the first thing I mentioned before. We say that his law, the law applies to him that he's called a Rasha. And he is because he's called a Rasha, in this case, he is considered Pasolaitus. For example, if there would be a case that normally two people have a dispute in Dine Mamonot, and some times the law would be that a person could swear and take a shvua and get the money, what we call Nishbab and Hotel. In this case, since he's a Russia, he would not be allowed to do that. The other person would be the one who would take the oath. He would not be allowed to take the oath. But he goes on to say, this applies to other cases as well. In the case of that case, the Gemara in Kedushin, has the case where a person 
was involved in some sort of a transaction. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details whether it was a, uh, a found object or something to buy in the store, but one person was already involved in Dinei Mamonot. He was involved in doing something. Another person came along and saw what was happening, and he decided to beat him, to jump the gun and somehow get it before the other fellow, even though the other fellow had somehow been involved in the action before. Ani bachara, a poor person who is involved in some sort of an, a, a, a business deal, in some sort of an action, another person came. So the Gemara says, Nika Rasha. Then he's called a Rasha. That seems to be a total law based on Musar. Is it really a law that he'd be called a Rasha? Yes, the Gemara says he's called a Rasha. But what does that mean? Does it mean you're allowed again to call him names? The, you, the Ravon apparently thinks that in all cases where the Gemara says a person is called a Rasha, he is Pasoleidut. The way to somehow mitigate this point would be to suggest a Pshara, suggest a compromise. Not every place where the Gemara calls a person a Rasha would he be Pasoleidut. Depends what the original source is, what the original halacha is, and what's the ke'ilu, what is the division to which we categorize this iser. A person who is ma'apich b'charara, a person who is involved in a business deal, another person takes this deal, takes the deal over for him, you might argue, is this just a halacha of musar, a, a proper attitude, a proper action, or is it somehow involved in Midrabanan, somehow, because of uh, rabbinic law, somehow he's uh, like a gazlan. He's somehow as, as if the object already belongs to the first person who made the effort, and the second person would therefore be akin to a gazlan, albeit midrabanan, not really. In that case, somehow we could understand that he's pasolaidus, but I'm assuming that the Easter is only an Easter drabanan. And he's pasoleidus midrabana, and the person says, even if you would assume he's pasoleidus, you would assume he's pasoleidus only midrabana. In our case, it would be more logical to think that you really are pasol minatora. It's really more possible, and that's for one of two reasons. One, because this Isur seems to be a real Isur of the Torah. Aniyamapech b'charara seems to be like a real drabana. But this case seems to be a real Yisadaraisa, a person who is Makechavero. According to the Rambam, this is included in the Isur of Penyosi. If the Rambam quotes it in Sefer HaMitzvot, he seems to think it's Daraisa. The reason we should say perhaps Malkas owns Rabbanan, because Midaraisa, it's an Avera which does not involve money. It's an Avera, which, is, which does not require Malkot. So therefore you could say the Isur of Meirim Yad is really an Isur Daraisa, but since it's an extension of Isur of Haka, then maybe Midravanan I should say is Pasoleidus. In fact, the Beis Yosef, when he quotes the Ravan, seems to say that Meirim Yad is Asur Midaraisa, in Simon Lamadalit, he says what seems to me a big chidush. He says that there's an Isra Daraisa in, maki, in my, being Meirim Yad Chavero. There is an Isra Daraisa in doing that. And any time you do an Isra Daraisa which has Malkos, Yechayev Daraisa. 
you're possible to aid this If a person did an Issa Daraisa for which there is a Chiv Malkot, then obviously he's possible to as we said, because he's a Russia. However, if a person does an Issa Daraisa She'en Bel Malkos, the Beis Yosef seems to think that he would be Chayev, he would be possible to aid That's a very big Kiddush, that every person who is does an Avera She'en Bel Malkos, that means for every Avera in the Torah. A person who would do that Avera he would be Pasuladis Midrabana. And there are big differences if a person is Pasuladis Torah or Pasuladis Midaraisa. A person is Pasuladis Torah, so whatever happened, for example, Gitan Kedushim, didn't actually happen. Since they require Adim, these people are Pasuladis Torah, so it really never happened. The action never happened if they were the witnesses. If they're Pasuladis Midrabana, if they're only Pasuladis Midrabana, then. The action really did take place in front of witnesses that are Kashim Torah, and therefore you have to check the facts and see what you would do in such a case. There's another reason why it seems to me very simple that a person who's Merim Yada Chavero, Nikra and he's Pasalaitis. Because we tried to look before for a definition of what a Russia is. We know that every Russia is Pasaladis. Altasha is Russia 8. You're not allowed to have a Russia, not allowed to uh, allow a Russia to give Adis. Altasha is Russia 8. And I said before, what is a Russia? So the halacha determines that a Russia is a person who didn't have Eira, Shiesh Vamokot. He didn't have Eira, which requires or, the punishment of getting Malkot, of getting lashes. Another Avera, for example, a lab Sheinbo a lav, uh, for example, speaking about Lashon Hara, which is a lav she'en b'masa, and therefore you don't get malchus, and therefore it would seem you're not pasaledus. According to Beis Yosef, remember, it could be that anybody who speaks Lashon Hara should be pasaledus from Drabana, and I said it would be an amazing chiddush. But here, in our particular case, there is a very good reason to say that he's pasaledus from Torah, because the Torah said he's a Russia. This is an unusual case where the Torah said, Vayomer la rasha, lama takeriyacha. Moshe said to the rasha, why are you going to hit your friend? So the Gemara learns from here that of Magbia yadol chaviro, hamerim yadol chaviro, nikra rasha. The very fact that you raised your hand to hit someone means you're a rasha. So if that's true, then anyone who hits someone else is a rasha, who not just hits someone, a person who is going to hit someone is called a rasha. And if that would be true, then of course he should be pasaledus. Minat Torah. Not midrabanan because it's an aveira that has uh, based on another isur. Or just uh, an isur drabanan thrown in there. It's a real isur daraisa to hit, to raise your hand to someone. And hamirim yad nikra rasha. The Torah called him a rasha. If the Torah called him a rasha, then he should be pasaledus minat Torah. Why did no one seem to suggest this? It seems to be that the Ravan was a Chiddush. He tried to explain, where do I know that a person who is Miriam Yad is called a Russia? I know it because any time the, the Gemara calls a person a Russia, he's Pasaladis. Why doesn't he say more clearly? And it seems to me to the point that this case is a unique case where a person who's made him Yad HaChaver Nikar Rasha, the Gemara says, HaMagbir Yad HaChaver Nikar Rasha. Apparently, the, the Pasuk, Vayomer LaRasha, Lama Takeriyacha, is not taken 
to be literally an Isla Daraisa for which you could be called a Rasha. The Rambam uses a word different than the Gemara. The Gemara says, Nikra Rasha. The Rambam in Hilchas Chavil Amazik, Perakei Halachabei, says, he is a Rasha. Not just he's Nikra Rasha. According to the Rambam, the point is even stronger. The person should really be a Rasha. The Torah called not just Nikra Rasha. He is a Rasha. If he is a Rasha, then I can understand more like these Pasaladas. Apparently they interpreted this really as an Asmachta. The, the quote, to call him a Rasha is really only a loose interpretation of the Pasuk. The literal interpretation of the Pasuk does not mean that the person with someone is a Rasha Torah. And why would that be true? So, it seems to me that it's true for what we said before. Now, when the Torah says, why does the Torah call it Marasha? There might be two reasons. One might be because he is about to hit someone, he's called a Rasha. But in simple Pshat and Chumash, if we would learn, like Rashi, that according to Chazal, that we're talking to Datan Vaviran, who were Rishaim, Vayomer Larasha is the same as saying he told you he told one of them, but they were both Rishaim. They were Rishaim not connect not only connected with the fact that one raised his hand to hit the other. They were Rishaim because they were Rishaim. They were known to be Rishaim. Vayomer Larasha Lamatakereacha. So the Gemara that calls him Rasha might not be taken literally. It could be that there is an Isa Daraisa. It could be that it really is Asur Le Harin Yada but it doesn't necessarily mean that automatically the Torah would call him a Rasha. Maybe that's only an Asmachta. Therefore, we're left with two options. He's not a Rasha. He did not Avera She'ein Malkot. Merim Yad HaChaverot Malkot. So we could say three possibilities. Either he's Kashaladis, which no one says clearly, but because of silence, it doesn't seem to be that most people would think he's Pasaladis. The person that we found that says he's Pasaladis is the Ravon. And I said we could interpret the Ravan to say that he's Pasal Eidus mid Rabbanan. That's the way the Beis Yosef and Simon Lamadalat seem to think. I suggested that it would be possible to say he's Pasal Eidus because he's called the Rasha, but apparently that idea has been rejected by the Ravan himself as well as by everyone else. For today's Halachayomit, we had previously begun the Davening, we mentioned Kobanot a few days ago, and we're getting close to the beginning of the actual Davening, the Minag in most uh, Oshuls is to have to say a Kaddish before the beginning of Sukkot This isn't found in the older older text, in the text of the Gaonim and the Rishonim. Uh, based on the Rambam, it actually makes no sense, because the Rambam says that Tfilah B'Tzibur, begins only with Yishtabach, uh, with Baruch actually. And uh, the has a very clear definition, he says, Tfilat HaTzibur, Ketzad, what does Tfilat B'Tzibur look like, as opposed to Tfilat B'Yachid? He says, the Chazim goes and says Kaddish, and then Baruch Hu. So Kedizimah, I think, which are being said, basically, B'Yachidut, they're being said each individual by himself. Nonetheless, there's a, a common custom, at least when there are Avelim, to have at least one Kaddish, and some places among Ashkenazim, two Kadeshim in the beginning of the davening, a Kadish Rabbanan 
after Kobanot, and in the Sakhashkanaz, a Kaddish Yatom, after Mizmah Sheikh Hanukkah Tabayit with David. So I just want to mention one or two halachot and uh, points concerning the saying of Kaddish. And first of all, Tosfat in Brachot says that the most important line of Kaddish, of course, is Yehei Shmei Rabbah, the Barach Lolam Ulmeil So Tosfat points out that the correct way to uh, separate the words, to parse the words in the sentences, Yehei Shmei Rabbah Mevarach, Le'olam Ulmeil Naya. In other words, may his great name be blessed forever and forever and forever. Uh, the other possibility, as opposed to saying, Yehei Shmei Rabbah Mevarach, may his name be great, may his name become magnified and blessed. In other words, the question is, is Rabbah an adjective, Shmei Rabbah, his great name, or is Rabbah either, a, not exactly a verb, but is the, the object, his name should become great. There is certain logic to the second reading, because the beginning of Kaddish is, Yitgadel v'yitkadesh Shemei Rabbah. That God's name should be Yitgadel, should become great. But nonetheless, there also it says, Yitgadel v'yitkadesh Shemei Rabbah. Shemei Rabbah is a single expression, meaning His great name. And there are numerous sources which show that that's where Chazal understood this. It's also true in the Kabbalah, where Shemei Rabbah is a particular designation for a particular kind of the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and therefore the Tosa says you should say it, you pause not between Shmei and Rabbah but after Rabbah after Mevarach, Yehi Shmei Rabbah Mevarach, his great name should be blessed, Laulam Olamei Almeya secondly in the continuation, you get to a point, Yitvarach Vishtabach, Vitpeh, Vitroa, Vitnaseh Vitada, Vitarev, Vitalal, Shmei Dekutsha Berichu there is, I mean, I, sometimes you hear people saying, that the Chazan says, Shmei uh, Bekutsha. And the congregation answers, Berichu. In that kind of a reading, Kutsha is the name of God. Hakadosh. The name of the Holy One. And then the people answer, Berichu. He should be blessed. But of course, we're all familiar with the extremely common the prevalent name of God in Chazal, which is Kutubichu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And it, it seems overwhelming, but that's the way we should understand the Kaddish as well. And the Chazan says, Shmei the Kutubichu, the name of the Holy One, blessed be He. And then the Kaddishan answers to that, Berichu. In fact, Saradim answer Amen at this point, and not Berichu. And in the ancient Ashkenazi Sudan as well, there appears an Amen here. Chazan says Kutsu Berichu, and the congregation answers Amen. When did people start saying Berichu? I'm not sure. I know that at least it's been several hundred years. Rabbi Yaakov Emden, 250 years ago, already complains about the fact that people are saying Berichu. He says one should answer Amen. Uh, he, in particular, is uh, insistent on saying Amen. The Kabbalistic reason is having to do with how many Amens there are in, in Kaddish. But it is true that in, in the, the Rishonic versions, of Kaddish in Ashkenazi sources such as Machsovitri and elsewhere there appears an Amen here so either one answers Bubichu or Amen but that's an answer to the line of the Chazan which was Yitbarech etc Shmei Bekutsha Bubichu you either answer either Bubichu or, uh, or Amen uh, there's also a 
there's like a parsing problem, a, a problem of, of pausing in general in Kaddish, because the Chazim, when he gets towards the end of the line, ends, uh, recites it in such a way that people should answer. So, for instance, in the continuation of the same line, we say, There's a natural tendency to say, But of course, it's, it, this is not a major point, but of course it's, it's All of the praises, etc., which are said in the world. And you, the people I'm speaking to, should answer Amen. Too long a pause between called Birkata Bitushpachata Venechamata and then Diamiran Dama Binu Amen doesn't really make sense. It's all the praises which are said in the world. Diamiran Ba'Allah. God should be, God is more magnified than all of them. And people, please answer Amen. Ve'imru Amen. So, if already is going to be a pause there, it should be between Diamiran Ba'Allah and the Imru Amen. Finally, in the end of Kaddish, not all Kaddishim, but Kaddish Yatom and Kaddish Tetkabel, there's an Oseh Shalom B'Murumav. Oseh Shalom B'Murumav is also said after Shmuel Esri. The way the Gemara expresses how one should say Oseh Shalom B'Murumav is that one takes three steps back, the one's talking about Shmuel Esri, one takes three steps back, the Nutein Shalom L'Smolo, Nutein Shalom L'Yimino. The Pulse can point out that that means, how does one give peace to one's left, give peace to one's right. When you say, Oseh Shalom, you're giving peace to your left. When you say, Shalom, you're giving peace to your right. And therefore, already the Bachleis and many other poskim, that the proper way to say Oseh Shalom is to take three steps backwards without saying anything. And then you say, Oseh Shalom, when you bow to the left. When you say, Shalom, you bow to the right. You bow in front of you. The reason it has to do more with habit, most people, most of the time, will start saying as they walk back. And by the time they're bowing to the left, they're ready up to they bow to the right, and they move amen. So, again, it may not be a major distinction, but the post can say that one should take the steps back before one begins requires a slight pause. Take three steps back, and then you say, Oseh Shalom Yimuramav to the left, Hu Yaseh Shalom Aleinu to the right, Barqa Yisrael Gehu Amein, in front of you. Then, one waits two seconds, and one returns to one's place. That's it for the program for today. Tomorrow will be a until then, call to Migushetion. This is KMGT. Kimitzion, Tetzay Torah, Udvar Hashem, Mirushalayim.